We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to further the conversation of world religions. The two I discussed yesterday, Gaiism and Gnosticism, the worship of the earth and the worship of special knowledge. I'm going to add to that today by talking about moral therapeutic deism. These three religions have supplanted the biblical worldview, and we're suffering the consequences thereof. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning, and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Yesterday, I talked about two world religions, and I argued that those two religions that are on the rise right now have actually overtaken Christianity. Now, I didn't talk much about my constant drumbeat of this show, and that is the consequences of bad ideas, or at least I didn't zero in on that as one of the subtopics, but it's always a subtopic. It's always in the background of anything we discuss on this show. I've talked over and over again about the fact that ideas have consequences. And yes, I did talk about it yesterday, but I didn't make it uh, one of the subpoints. In other words, it wasn't part of my outline. It just kind of surfaced in my commentary, I suppose. And naturally so. Naturally so, because I don't care what we're talking about, whether it's capitalism, socialism, communism, whether it's Gaiism, whether it's Gnosticism, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Islam, whether it's Buddhism. It doesn't matter. Marxism, you, you, you talk about whatever worldview, whatever set of ideas you want to embrace as being superior to other ideas, and those ideas are going to have consequences. Again, I guess that's the point of my constant drumbeat of culture, cultivating, and the fact that we have to, we have to understand that a vacuum is always filled, and if if you don't embrace a specific worldview, such as the Judeo-Christian ethic, you can't assume that your secularism, your nothingism, your nihilism is going to sustain itself. It won't, because a vacuum always draws something into it. It never stays empty. The vacuum will be filled. And if you don't have something positive it's going to suck something negative into the void. And that's what we're seeing in our culture right now. We remove the biblical God, and we claim that there is no God, and then we start worshiping the earth as the God, our knowledge as God, and ourselves as God. And that religion, those religions, the worship of the earth, the worship of special knowledge, Gaiism, Mother Earth, Terra Mater, Mother Earth, worshiping the planet over people, and then Gnosticism, Gnosis, special knowledge, elevating our knowledge above reality, above logic, above reason, to the point where we actually start denying biology, denying physiology, 
denying the body. Oh, oh, we enjoy the body, but we treat it as a toy. It's, 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 it's malleable. You can carve it, you can change it, you can manipulate it because it has no real meaning. It's there for your pleasure, but it's not there because it's real or that it has purpose. That's a very dangerous place to go. Worshiping the earth has consequences. We've seen it historically. Uh, the worship of earth has almost always come with human sacrifice. And today we, we, we believe that decreasing the human population is the only solution to our, to our problem. That Mother Earth is more important than people, the planet above people. And therefore, what are we doing? We're actually sacrificing human beings. Jane Goodall, reduce the human population to pre-industrial levels. That's a 90% reduction in human beings. How are you going to get rid of them? Uh, human sacrifice. Get rid of them by eliminating them. If there's not enough time, like Eric Pianca says, when he's going for the same number, he's bold enough to even suggest that we need something like an Ebola virus that will spread and eliminate, kill, i.e. kill, 90% of the world population to save Mother Earth, Gaia, because the planet is more important than people. That religion is a very dangerous religion. We've seen it throughout world history. The Mayas, Mayans sacrificed their children to their gods. The Incas sacrificed their children to their gods. Those people in the Middle East, the Canaanites, the Hittites, these people sacrificed their children to Moloch, to Baal. And God condemned that in the Old Testament. He told the Israelites, don't do this. So the biblical worldview, the worldview that was revealed by God to Abraham and Moses and recorded throughout the Old Testament, Genesis through the prophets, was a worldview that elevated the human being above the planet. And one of the consequences of that worldview is people were told to stop sacrificing their children, killing their children to appease Mother Earth and her gods. And then Gnosticism comes along in the New Testament, the worship of special knowledge, the elevation that some people just know things that other stupid folks don't know. That worldview elevated this revelation within self, this emotive religion, feelings over facts, emotion over rationality. That religion displaced the reality of the body. And it also elevated given people above other people because if you've got special knowledge held by some that's not held by others, then those folks that don't have that special knowledge just need to bow the knee in obedience to the smart folks. And if the smart folks say women aren't real, they're just make-believe and pretend, then bow the knee, obey. If the smart folks say that you can declare plural pronouns to, to define the singular self and in a way that's even antithetical to physiology, biology, and genetics, then, then that makes it so. The dumb folks, the rubes, the deplorables, the basket of foolish folks just need to bow the knee and worship at the altar of special knowledge. 
That's where we are today. I covered that yesterday. Well, today I want to talk about a third, a third religion, and that's moral therapeutic deism. I'll talk about that briefly. So we've got these three religions. And as you're listening to these three religions, Gaiism, Gnosticism, and moral therapeutic deism, ask yourself, do you have more freedom or less when these religions prevail in a culture? What does history tell us? What are the lessons of history? What does experience tell us? How's it working for us? What does reason tell us as we evaluate these religions? Is the planet a god, a goddess? Should we worship the planet? Should we elevate it above people? Or are people higher than the planet? Are we placed here to manage, to cultivate, to husband the planet? Is it for us, or are we for it? What's the consequences of Gaiism? What are the consequences of Gnosticism, elevating special knowledge over reality, over physiology, over biology, over, over the facts, feelings over facts, opinions over reality? Experience, history, reason, and revelation. Where is the revelation what, what is the revealed truth as we evaluate these worldviews? Is the revelation from outside ourselves an authority bigger and better and unchangeable, immutable? Something, something that has more authority than people who rise to political power? Or the guy that happens to have a job behind the podium as a professor? Or the woman that happens to be a pastor in your local mainstream, mainline, Protestant, evangelical church? These are questions you need to ask. And moral therapeutic deism is kind of an overlay. It overlaps with some of this stuff, but it's a world religion that we need to discuss. And I'm going to give you a brief cursory overview of it. Once again, we've talked about it before, but I'm going to give you a positive response from a new book new book that's out, or it's coming out, and I'm going to recommend that you buy it. It's titled, Don't Follow Your Heart. Don't Follow Your Heart. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So, I gave you another overview, which, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition. I know if you lift, listen to yesterday's show, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, you, you might be saying, hey, we covered that yesterday. I know we covered it yesterday, but it's so pervasive in our culture right now. I want to talk about all this stuff again, and I want you to be thinking about the consequences that you are suffering, your children are suffering, your grandchildren will suffer, our culture is suffering, and I want you to ask yourself, can such a culture endure? Can it, can it persist? Or will, will it be overtaken by some other culture that's got a better definition? Uh, a culture that may not be uh, prone to as much human freedom as the, as the American experiment has, has lended itself to, but a culture that at least knows that a woman is a woman, a man is a man that human beings are different than animals and that we shouldn't worship the earth, that we should actually be good stewards of it, but that it is not our God. If a culture at least has those things right, do you think that culture might be stronger 
than our own at this point? I mean, I, 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 you've seen it in the news, and I've even said it on the show. Our enemies are laughing at us right now. They're laughing at us. As we parade on the national stage with uh, cabinet appointees or higher-level administrative appointees, at least, that are pretending to be things they're not. I mean, we have the assistant secretary of health who pretends to be a woman when he's not and dresses accordingly. We have a assistant uh, secretary, whatever his title is, for nuclear energy, and he dresses in drag on the national stage proudly, arrogantly, and we send these people to other countries to represent us. Do you think Russia respects us? Do you think China respects us? North Korea, Iran, Iraq, any of the Muslim world, do you think they respect us? No, they're laughing at us and they recognize our weakness. It's because we're worshiping ourselves. Gnosticism, special knowledge. We don't even get our pronouns right any longer. I mean, my land. Look at the foolishness of our vice president and our president. They don't represent strength. They represent confusion and weakness. Our enemies are laughing at us right now. Okay, moral therapeutic deism. We've covered Gnosticism. We've covered Gaiaism. I want to talk about moral therapeutic deism. One more time. We've talked about it on previous shows. Add that to the two world religions, Gnosticism and Gaiaism, that I've already covered yesterday and then in the first half of this show. And then think of those religions, and I'm arguing that they're becoming world religions. These are the religions of the West now. It used to be Christianity. It used to be Christendom. And I'm not claiming that all of the moves made by national leaders or even the church in the name of Christendom were positive. But the good thing about Christendom is it 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 was its own soap. It was self-cleansing. It was called reformation, revival, repentance. There was a place to return to, thus reformation, revival, repentance. All of these things imply returning to true north. And that true north was the Bible, a biblical worldview. The worldview revealed through Scripture. There was an authority above man. Above? Above your personal feelings. There was a fact that never changed. Christendom was grounded in that. And as the result, we saw freedom rise across the West. We saw freedom in Europe, Western Europe in particular. We saw freedom in America, in Canada. We saw some measure of freedom in many of the nations of Central and South America. We saw freedom in other countries in the Pacific, such as Australia, New Zealand, etc. Why? Why did we see this freedom? Well, we saw the freedom because of the biblical worldview. And that freedom is going to be lost, I would argue, if we start abandoning the worldview that lended itself, served as the soil out of which those freedoms grew. When we start disparaging those, that worldview and claiming that it's nothing but the product of white privilege and that it needs to be deconstructed, tore down, tossed out, and then we build something up out of the ashes that's totally different. Well, what we see that's totally different 
is going to be pretty ugly, and we're already seeing the ugliness, the consequences of those ideas. Uh, we're, we're seeing censorship. We're seeing deplatforming. We're seeing that you can't even post stuff on social media because somebody deems it to be unacceptable. You can't challenge uh, even the, the government directive to have something injected into your body. That, that's harmful. You can't challenge the narrative on COVID and the COVID vaccines. You can't challenge the narrative on sexuality and subjective identity claims. You can't challenge the narrative of transgenderism and, and the grooming of our children at, youngest, at the youngest of ages, even in elementary school, to buy into this nonsense, confusing them. You can't do any of that. Well, there's a new book coming out, and I would argue it kind of covers those things, but it also exposes the lie of moral therapeutic deism. And what is that? Just It's almost self-explanatory. Moral therapeutic deism. Uh, think virtue signaling, uh, social justice warriors, uh, critical theory, uh, a sense of moralism that... Well, yeah, we, we do believe in morality. We believe in justice. We believe in virtue. And we are the just ones, and we are the virtuous. We're the moral ones. And unless you buy into our particular agenda, unless you march in our parade, naked though our emperor may be, if you don't march in our parade, then you're the immoral one. You don't believe in justice. If you aren't anti-racist, you're a racist. If you don't buy into critical theory, then you should be silenced. You're a, you're a bad person. If, if you don't believe in our special knowledge, our gnosis, and, and buy into the subjective identity claims of LGBTQIA, then you're a phobic. You, you're, you're afraid of goodness when you speak in favor of biblical worldview and want to have a good debate over these issues. You see my point? Moralism. It's, it, there is a sense of morality, but it's not grounded in an objective standard. It's grounded in power. It's grounded in those that have achieved political status, that can impose their will, their morality, on you. Even though you say, wait a second, how is that moral to brainwash young children into being confused about one of the basic facts of human existence, and that is whether or not they're a boy or a girl. How is that moral? How is it moral to ignore the fact that engaging in certain sexual acts is dangerous? It causes people to get sick in disproportionate numbers. How is it moral to hide that fact and then encourage our young children, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14, 16-year-olds, to embrace this behavior and ignore the physical consequences therein. How is it moral to not tell girls that upwards to a quarter, 25% of millennial-aged women, Gen Zers, now carry a sexually transmitted disease, a disease that could make them infertile? How is it moral to just shrug that off because, well, you know, it's good that the world's population decline anyway, so if these women are infertile, that's actually a good thing, right? They won't exacerbate the problem of overpopulation. Well, this new book that comes... Oh, before I get into the book. So you've got moral and then therapeutic. Therapeutic, we just want to feel good about ourselves. Eat, drink, and 
be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. So, yeah, we are virtuous. We will virtue signal about our superior morality. And we also believe in therapy. Therapy. Forget going to church. We believe in therapy. And what's the point of therapy? Selfishness. Self-focus. Self-actualization. So it's, it's about feeling good rather than recognizing that no one is good, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And if we claim to be without sin, the truth is not in us. Those are all quotes from the New Testament. And none of those quotes elevate the human being as being some sort of perfect, virtuous, moral creature, do they? All of these things recognize that, yes, we are made in the image of God, but we're broken. And that the point of going to church is to not feel good about ourselves. It's not therapy. The point of going to church is to recognize that if you feel a little guilt, that's probably good because the point is your confession, not your comfort. So moral therapeutic, therapy, deism. Oh, there is a God, but surely that God isn't going to tell me not to do things that, that I enjoy, right? That, that God wants to affirm us. He wants, to, he wants a great big kumbaya moment. All paths lead to the same summit where we'll all get that great big group hug at the end of days. That's moral therapeutic deism. We define our own, our own morality. God does not. Therapy is the point of, of life, not confession, not repentance. And deism, we're not denying there's a God, but we don't like the way he looks in the Bible. Toxic masculinity, patriarchy, rules and regulations. Oh, we can't have that. Exclusive claims as to the being the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one gets to heaven but through Jesus? I mean, oh my, what a terrible worldview. So moral therapeutic deism overlaps with Gaiism and Gnosticism. Do you see the parallels here? That's a culture that exists in our day, but it's not a strong one. It's a culture that will grow a bunch of weeds. And how do we know that? Well, look at the lessons of history. History shows that these worldviews result in human sacrifice. We sacrifice our children. We, we're killing them right now in facilities called Planned Parenthood because, well, they're not really human yet, right? Oh, they've got arms and legs and fingers and toes, and they lick their lips. They seem to smile. Um, they obviously recoil from pain. How do we know all this? Because we have technology today that shows us the pictures of them doing all of this. But because they haven't moved, they haven't moved from location A to location B, we're going to declare them to be less than fully human, and we're going to kill them because we find them inconvenient. And anyway, Mother Earth can't suffer more people anyway. We need to decrease the population, not increase it. Gaia is suffering. Terramater is suffering. We need to help her out by sacrificing our children. 
And then we have Gnosis. Smart folks telling all the rest of us that you can't say what you want to say and believe what you want to be. B- believe. You can't, you, 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 we can't believe the things we find in the Bible, and we can't say the things that we've found to be true. We'll be silenced. And then we have this reaction to it, this new book. And I've got three minutes left to cover it. Maybe I'll cover it in subsequent shows. It's a book authored by Thaddeus J. Williams, and it's titled Stop Following Your Heart. Uh, Subtitle, Boldly Breaking the Ten Commandments of Self-Worship. I love this. I love this. Uh, It actually has a heretic's manifesto at the end of the book. And in this manifesto, it says this. A new religion is sweeping the globe. 84% of Americans believe that enjoying yourself is the highest goal of life. 86% of Americans believe that in order to enjoy yourself, you must pursue the things you desire most. While 91% affirm the statement, to find yourself, look within. This cult is self-worship, says this manifesto. And therefore, this manifesto of being a heretic against this new religion of moral therapeutic deism, uh, overlaid with some Gnosticism and even some Gaiaism, against this world religion, there's a manifesto, a heretic's manifesto. Heretic in the sense of standing against this religion, not heretic in the sense of being uh, against the Bible. In fact, the manifesto says this, we seek to actively subvert the religious narcissism of our day by living lives marked by, one, awe for the God of the Bible, two, rejection of the ancient serpent's lie to define our own reality, three, following God's heart before our own hearts, four, rebellion against the doomed philosophies of self-worship ideologues. Five, courage to champion the objectively beautiful, good, and true over the, and against the ugliness and evil and falsehoods of our age. Six, ascending to the adventurous terrain of seeking God's kingdom rather than wandering in the flatlands of our own subjectivity. Seven, looking to God's word rather than within ourselves for answers. Eight, authenticity before the fact that God is God and we are not. Nine, expressing our God-given freedoms within the God-given forms of moral reality. And ten, loving others redemptively with an eye toward their temporal flourishing and eternal good. We, the undersigned, cannot live a single one of these resolutions without the help of the triune God, We therefore ask for a supernatural dose of his divine power and grace to live our lives, to glorify God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Father, rather than the false gods of me, myself, and I. Rather than the false gods, and I'm paraphrasing right now, of Gaiaism, Gnosticism, and moral therapeutic deism. We got to get this book, Thaddeus Williams. Stop following your heart. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.